welcome back for another episode of Clean Tech Talk, where we at Clean Technica interview clean tech leaders from around the world. With topics ranging from electric cars to climate change communication, you can listen to our full podcast series by visiting our website at cleantechnica.com. We're here for another episode of Clean Tech Talk, and in particular, another episode of our Clean Tech Round Talk discussions. This is Joe Boris, Steve Hanley, and myself, Zachary Shahan, part of the Clean Technica family, having discussions about the hottest, latest clean tech news. So, to start with, before the call, we were just sort of talking about Joe's old school connection to Florida, which he moved out of about 13 years ago, perhaps. And the fact that he doesn't understand time zones anymore for some reason. <laughs> That's accurate. Anymore. Uh, I don't think I ever understood time zones. <laughs> oh, that explains. Okay. But he now is, is in central time. Is that central time, Chicago? Yeah, I think so. It's it's just the time. Okay. The time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. While Steve, so, and I, Steve and I are still on East Coast time. And Steve, actually, I don't know. I think he's finally back to Florida, maybe. Uh, we'll, we'll find out. In a couple of weeks. In a couple of weeks. Oh, okay. In sorry. a couple of weeks. All right. All right. Well, it's good because it's like melting hot down here. But yeah, so we're we're starting with a story that is on the other side of the United States. It has nothing to do with Florida at all, except to show how far behind Florida is. And that is <laughs> basically Tesla's extreme. I was going to say dominance, but I, it's technically it's not dominance, but extreme success in California, where it has become the number two auto brand in the state across all vehicles, all vehicle types. But I think uh, it's dominance, right? Because like, if you look at Tesla, they they essentially are creating, you know, they had 90,000 units sold in California in the first half of 2022. They were only beaten by Toyota, but Tesla really was only delivering two vehicles the model y and the model three and toyota has like 15 vehicles so like each individual tesla model is crushing every other model by like a factor of two to one or three to one right yeah and that's sort of why i wanted to get into that but steve jump in and then we'll we'll come back to that issue of model numbers unless you want to talk about that right off the bat no that's a good point joe the success of tesla in particularly in the california market is nothing less than startling is that your full comment, Steve? Or did you? That just... was it. <laughs> I, I, I try to be pithy in my comments. <laughs> it's nothing. No, but I think that's fair, right? Like, what else are you going to say? Like, you have to just look at that number and be in shock. And I, when I first saw this number, the first question that came up, I looked at Ford at 74,000 and Chevrolet at 53,000. I said to myself, well, they can't be including trucks, right? Like, they're just not including F 150 or Silverado, which sells. Yeah, I think the F series sells eight to nine hundred thousand every year. And I was like, well, there's no way they're including that in those numbers, but they absolutely are. Tesla is just that far ahead of Ford and Honda and Chevy. I mean, forget Nissan, Kia, or Hyundai. Like they're they're not even in the same league. I mean, you could yeah. take Nissan, Kia, and Hyundai and add them all up together, and you're just barely where Tesla is. Yeah, I mean, it's stunning. I, I've been covering uh, sort of, so it's the California New Car Dealers Association that puts out quarterly sales stats by model and brand. It takes a while for them to put them out, but I've been covering them for a few years. And even this, despite sort of knowing the trends and knowing how well Tesla's done in the past, I, would, I was quite stunned to see that they now have, first of all, the top two models in the state by far. So 
outselling anything you can think of the Camry, the RAV4, the Corolla, the F series. The Model Y is by far number one. Has in the sec in the first half of the year, it had almost it had more than ten thousand more sales than the RAV4, which is number three. And then the Model 3 is number two, just a little bit behind the Model Y. So you basically have two Tesla models totally dominating. I heard a stat from one of our, our readers that in Silicon Valley and Santa Clara County, it's actually about 24% of new car sales are Model 3 or Model Y, I think, which is like, you know, one out of wow. every four new cars on the road is a Tesla. <laughs> is a Tesla. But that's, I mean, how sustainable... From from a purely fashion perspective, right? From a purely, you know, fashion, you know, you want to be seen in the right new car and the right pair of, you know, pair of shoes and the right set of sunglasses, holding the right iPhone in your hand. How long can they really sustain that without updating the models? What an excellent question that is. I love Steve. <laughs> Steve, what is your deal? What is going on? There? Short I, to the point. That's me. Steve's comments today are like on fire, dude. Like he's like, I don't need to elaborate. I'm just gonna say that's great. Mic drop. I'm out. I feel like he's gonna bust out at one at some time. I know I said I had a hard limit of when we needed to end, but I didn't say Steve couldn't talk. <laughs> that was for all no, of us. Myself. Most we're gonna of all. get to like this obscure reference at some point. He's gonna <laughs> launch into like in 1974. I had Scatman Crothers in the car with me. I was driving him out to Colorado to film The Shining. And he started singing ba -dee, ba -ba -ba -da -ba, and like just do the whole thing. It's going to be a 40 minute comedy bit and yeah. we're just going to be along for the ride. But we need to get from here to there. Let's talk about Tesla. Let's talk about Genesis, who are the only two brands that are growing in California. And Genesis obviously has the opposite issue with Tesla. Genesis are totally new. You don't see them anywhere yet in California. Yeah, yeah. And I would just say, you know, Steve, if you don't bring up a reference to some old vehicle I've never heard of, then you're probably fired. But, you know, no, no pressure. <laughs> well, he's just going to drive home in his Kaiser Darren and say, toodaloo to you. Oh, I wish I had a Kaiser Darren. <laughs> Those are sick, right? Yeah. With the sliding door. Guys, if you guys are looking this up, I, and I know none of you are, but the Kaiser Darren was a really neat little sports car from the 1950s. It was the first production car i believe with an all composite body i think it beat the corvette by two years and it had these neat little pocket doors that you could like slide into the front fenders and you could drive the car with them wide open so you were like totally exposed and just ready to be destroyed at the next stop sign when somebody ran it and t-boned you so it was, a, it was a really neat exciting car apparently yeah. jeep owners uh, picked up on that idea i see them all around here <laughs> in connecticut driving around with no doors on like, yeah uh, what happens when you go through an intersection and somebody doesn't see the stop sign? Yeah, try not to do that. Anyway, yeah, they, they no, I think your I think your comment about updating the cars. I saw a Model S on the highway yesterday, and I thought, "Wow, that's a good looking car." It still is a good looking car, and it hasn't been significantly updated other than taking out the the, the false grill on the, on the front that looked like a radome on the bottom of a B-52 bomber there at the beginning. <laughs> True. But do yeah, you think, I mean, so we know that's part of Tesla's plan, right? But how far can they take it? I mean, even Porsche with the original 901, 911 that they brought out, I think in the late 60s, early 70s, 
you know, they finally towards the end of the nineties, they decided to ditch that for the nine, nine, for the nine, nine, six. Right. And, uh, you know, at, at some point that has to happen, or do you think they're going to get that same kind of, you know, 15, 20 year longevity out of this design? Well, one of the things about Tesla the, right in the beginning was that they were not going to have annual model year changes. And that's a great thing for people who own them because people don't come up to you and go, oh, you poor fellow, you can't afford a new Tesla. That one's three years old. Well, you can't tell what your uh, Tesla is. They all look the same. They all look great. And uh, they all keep their value because there is not a significant model year difference. There are there are some changes like they now do the the black mat uh, where they used to have the chrome on these little accent features on the car. I believe you probably have black mat on your Model Y, right? I think I do. Yeah. See, I would I would see it and be like, oh, he's got a new Model Y. You know, I've got an old one with the silver handles. You know, but no, That's I cool. I, but they're doing it just enough so that people who are into it can <laughs> say that it's new. But the average person, like you know whoever you pull up next to at the stoplight nine times out of 10, they're not going to know that. Yeah, totally. And I mean, but I mean, this really, we've already talked about this before, this, this question of how far can Tesla go on two models and a, and a 10 year old design. But I think California is, is basically the place where you want to, where you can test that theory. I mean, you can see, I mean, you can see how far it would go like this. I mean, so, so as you said, it, it grew 82.2% year over year from first half of 2021 to the first half of 2022 82.2 yeah. percent growth well, but, and this genesis, is genesis had 53% growth every other brand declined and toyota which is ahead of tesla had 20.3 percent drop in sales and some people have pointed out that i think if if you go another year with the same trend then tesla will be number one and toyota will no longer be number one even though it has a big lead in terms of total volume it's got a huge lead over Tesla in terms of total volume. And then Tesla actually has a big lead over Ford and Honda Honda for third and fourth. So I don't know. We're going to see where it goes. But right that now, it's gone a lot further than I think even a lot of Tesla bulls thought was possible. Like 10% of the auto market with basically two mass market models. I, I uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I wrote that article. A lot of people kind of give me a lot of the heat in the comments for being anti-Tesla or anti-Musk. But I mean, I, I've written a couple of articles now kind of in support of this idea of a $4 trillion valuation and in support of this idea that like, even if the stock is overvalued today, you're, you're buying the stock now for what you see that it's going to be in, in 10 years. And, and, and I've, in, in, in both cases, I think I've been very bullish in terms of Tesla stock. And I, I never would have thought that, I think 2025, 2030, if you had told me Tesla was number one in California, I would have said, yeah, that's, that sounds about right. You know, 2030, 2025, but like, this is just so far ahead of, of any expectations. I, I really don't know how anybody in the market can look at this and, and ignore it. And I, I think ultimately they're not ignoring it, right? That's the driving force really behind Ford and GM and everybody else saying, you know, we've got to go full electric and we've got to do it now. So the real question, I think, looking at this chart is what's keeping Toyota? Like, why, why hasn't, why are Toyota and Honda still holding out and saying, man, we think internal combustion's got another couple decades left in it? Well, I well, definitely can't answer that, yeah. but I would just highlight two things about California that are a bit, or three things that are a bit unique. 
So one, we it is the home of Tesla. So I think there is pr probably always going to be a strong, hey, we're buying from our own kind of sentiment in California, as long as Tesla, as long as Elon doesn't push away from Tesla too much, you know, and uh, get too excited about the headquarters being in Austin, you know, I mean, I think it's still, it's still the heart of Tesla in a lot of ways. And I think a lot of Californians see it as their, their auto brand. I don't know if that's changing. I think it's a big question in the next year. Does that change based on the past several months uh, of statements and that kind of thing? Secondly, it's, it's a rich state. So they have more money. They have higher cost of living. They have higher pay as a result. They have higher, it's easier for them to buy a Tesla. And third, you know, they're much more eco-oriented. They're much more tech savvy. So I think just in general, it's it's a perfect market for Tesla for a lot of reasons. And how far that takes them in, in California is, is a question. But I think a big question is how much it, I mean, I know Californians who will not buy a Tesla now because of, and who've had Teslas or have a Tesla now, but who won't in the future because of some of Elon's statements. So I think there's a big question mark of how Tesla's brand might have changed in that culture and that market and see if that influences the future. But Without a but doubt, I mean, it, it sure didn't hurt really Tesla judging? in the first. Sure didn't hurt Tesla in the first half of the year. No, one hundred percent. But I mean, are we really gonna play the game of judging a company by its founders? Because, like, I don't think there's gonna be a lot of people buying Volkswagens if we start doing that. Steve, I'd be curious. I'd be curious, Zach, whether you think that the trend for California to embrace Tesla will translate to Texas, which is going to probably outproduce California's uh, Fremont factory uh, sometime yeah. in the foreseeable future. Well, but Tesla is opening up dealerships of its own. They're opening up large dealerships for their Tesla vehicles in the state of Texas, which is super, super confusing, right? Because like they're not even allowed to sell there. So what are the dealers really doing? Well, we should probably come back to the dealer talk because I, I think it's a little, I mean, they've always had nice, you know, ride and drive opportunity, like at stores all over the place. That's what, you know, a Texan can do for ages. They can go into a Tesla store, have a ride and drive. They just, the, the salesperson just can't talk about price and that kind of thing. But uh, so I don't know, but, but I, I think, yeah, the question of I, Steve, what do you, I mean, what do you think about Texas? I mean, I don't think. I don't think it'd ever be anything close to California's adoption of Tesla, but I do think the Cybertruck could be a huge hit there and and it could get a good, you know, footing in that market. But I just I don't see it as I don't I don't imagine Texans are gonna jump all over Tesla like Californians did. Well, the thing that's astonishing about California, based on what Joe was saying, is that they are now Tesla is now outselling the Ford F-150, which up until now has been the best-selling vehicle in or passenger car vehicle in America for well since the Carter administration, and uh, I, Texas is is a big truck state. So, uh, but then again, the F-150 until recently has been the best-selling vehicle in California. So if Tesla can do it in California, maybe they can do it in Texas. I don't know. Yeah, and I mean, I will say what Joe basically said at the beginning too. Whenever I look through those quarterly sales reports, it's always funny to me, like sort of surprising and funny how how the pickup trucks don't dominate like they do across the country as a whole. So, so you like you see them; they have high sales. You know, they're in the they're in the top. Well, the F series is in the top ten. The Chevy Silverado is is number six. The Toyota Tacoma is in the top ten. But basically, they don't they don't have the same kind of swagger that they do in the 
rest of the country. Are you a problem solver? Wartzilla has been at the forefront of engineering innovation since 1834. Today, our next generation of leaders design and provide the tools to integrate and manage power grids that combine renewables with flexibility solutions, traditional thermal assets, and energy storage. No matter the size or location, we're a team championing the problem solvers of our future. We use the power of collaboration and co-creation to make a difference. Visit storage.wordzilla.com forward slash careers to learn more today. We can close with, with, I mean, we could talk all day about Tesla in California. And I think, you know, if you look at the other charts, like the, the cla- you know, charts by vehicle class, it's even more ridiculous. But as a final point on sort of, can they keep going up forever? I think one key thing to, to note again is that there are a lot more models now that are, you can say, challenge, you know, at, at a similar level of Tesla vehicles. So with range and tech and stuff. And one other story I was going to highlight was that in 2016, there was only one EV model in the country that had 300 miles of range or greater. In 2017, there were two. In 2018, there were two. In 2022, there were 14. So all of a sudden, we're getting longer range options. You have the BMW iX, the i4, the Ford F-150 Lightning, the Ford Mustang Mach-E, the Kia EV6, the Lucid Air, the Hyundai Ioniq 5, the Mercedes-Benz EQS, the Rivian R1S, the Rivian R1T, and then Tesla's four models. So I think there is a kind of you know leveling of the playing field a little bit going on that will make it not well we'll we'll make it just you know tesla won't be the only option for more and more people there would be multiple options and some people well, I, choose tesla and some people won't i i think the the big advantage that tesla has had since day one right is tesla built their entire ecosystem based on the customer experience they understood that the customer was going to interact with the company by phone they were going to interact with the car and what was going to make the car successful or not was the consumer's confidence and ability to find electricity and to refuel or recharge on the road, which is why they built out the supercharger system and they own and maintain that supercharger system. Until another manufacturer kind of steps up and says, we are also going to take ownership of the customer ownership experience, I think Tesla's going to still have a tremendous advantage because you know Ford and GM and Volkswagen, they're all kind of farming this out to Electrify America, with the exception of Volkswagen, who owns Electrify America. But you know, even a lot of the EA stations, if you go on Reddit and the you know electric vehicle subreddit, if you go on Twitter, it's just well, here I am with six EA fast chargers, and four of them are down, or two of them are down, or all of them are down, and now I have to go down the road here to this other place. So I, you know, the range is just part of the equation and all these other companies, I think they're actually better than Tesla at building cars. I've been in an EQS. I've spent a lot of time in it. I've spent time in a Mach-E. I've spent time in a Hyundai Ionic 5, which is really confusing because where, who would give me an Ionic 5 to test drive, right? But like, I, I think the cars are made better from all these other companies, but the experience of charging them on the road is so inferior to Tesla like I think if I was going to recommend an EV to somebody else, to a friend or family member who was a road warrior who was going to drive it across the country once or twice a year, I think I'd be irresponsible to recommend anything but a Tesla at this point. 
Yep. I agree. Uh, Joe, I also read the, uh, the the Reddit EB subforum all the time, and it is loaded with horror stories of people who have horrible experiences trying to charge their cars on trips. Tesla, from the very beginning, stepped up and they put their money with it where their mouth is and, and uh, built their what is perhaps the best charging ecosystem in the world. And all the other manufacturers have been standing around with their hands in their pockets, waiting for the taxpayers or someone else to do the heavy lifting for them. But I think that that's, that's been their expectation, right? Like they have been trained for the last hundred years, you know, for the last century of automotive dominance or whatever, there has always been another agency that has been selling and marketing and promoting the fuel. And that's been so far the fossil fuel industry. And now the fuel is no longer gasoline, it's electricity. And who generates and markets and sells electricity is the local utilities. And these people have completely forgotten their role as marketers and sellers of a product. If you look back in the 1920s, there's all these beautifully illustrated ads about like, get electricity. There's even propaganda against electricity from the Whale Oil Commission for you know, the gaslighting commission and things like that. But we have all these utilities that have access to all of our marketing information, all of our energy use information. And they could step up and say, look, you guys need to be, you know, buying electricity. You need to be buying an EV and get our electric fuel from us. And we're going to put in reliable charging infrastructures throughout our coverage area so that our customers can be confident in getting electric fuel. And they're doing nothing. I don't actually blame the legacy brands. I blame the utility companies is what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, that's because that's a smart call. Utility companies were slow to sort of, you know, make this their thing. Let's go a little bit more and I'm going to change my plans for the day. But but just to, to go a little bit further on that, Tesla supposedly is opening up its supercharger network to non-Tesla EVs. They're doing it somewhat in Europe and supposedly are going to do it in the US. I... I personally am not even sure if Tesla understands how how much that is the reason a lot of people buy a Tesla and how, I mean, obviously it's presumptuous of me to say, oh, Tesla doesn't understand this market. But I mean, we we did surveys for years and it was like the number one buying you know requirement for for EV buyers was that supercharger access. So I don't know if, if I can buy a Mustang Mach-E and have access to superchargers would that you know how many people would that sway the story for of course you're also talking production capacity so i don't know steve we'll go back to you on on what you think about that that risk or reward you could say too because they could make a lot of money on it well it, there's a lot going on that uh, is fairly opaque to us out here in the real world uh tesla yes is thinking about opening their supercharger network, but they also want to make sure that they get their share of uh, government funds to make that possible. And so there's a lot of negotiation going on uh, between the company and the government as to exactly how this is going to work. And I don't think we really know just yet, other than the fact that it is probably going to be a big benefit to the EV community at large if superchargers were to become available to the ordinary, that is, non-Tesla electric car driver do you think it would hurt tesla no well, i i think does elon know how they're going to do it because i mean they might have a clear plan but there's two big different options one is they just anyone can get download the tesla app and can plug into a tesla with an adapter and then all of a sudden the whole network is open 
Another option is they start building supercharger stations that have a couple of CCS stations. And that's, you know, three stations versus 3000 is a big difference in what it means. So mm-hmm. I think it, I haven't seen a definitive answer in the, in the, in Europe, it's different because Europe has CCS charging ports because they were required to at some point. And so people have access with the, without needing an adapter, just having the app. So I don't know what the actual plan in the U S is. And I don't even know for sure if Elon had, it knows how they're planning to do. It. I mean, I mean, he probably does obviously, but at the same time, they may have said, Oh, we're going to do it, but then haven't mapped out the process. I don't know. And maybe they're waiting to see what happens with the Twitter deal before they announce. <laughs> so I, I, have, I don't know if we want to bring this up now, but like, I, I really feel like it's worth mentioning. Like there are, there is like a fan base issue involved with Tesla. And I think for me personally, I don't really, I I'm very good at separating the art from the artist when it comes to like music, like Moxie Fruit is great band, terrible lead singer. He's a horrible person. Right. Like, I, I can still do that. So I can separate Tesla from Elon pretty effectively. It doesn't bother me that much. But like, you know, I, I look at the fans, like the really hardcore, I'm going to go on a hunger strike if Elon doesn't pay attention to my power windows. Like, you know, really crazy, what I call crazy fanboys on the internet. And like, I would not buy a Tesla because I don't want to be associated with those people. Do you think that's something that's going to like continue for much longer? Or do you think that like as Tesla's become more normal, more normal people are going to drive them? You know, the one thing that I'm thinking of as we're sitting here chatting is um, many years ago, I was involved with a company called Saturn. And people used to say, oh, Saturn is a cult. (laughs) I mean, I think that's fair. <laughs> and now people are saying, "Well, Tesla is a cult." Well, the thing that I learned from my Saturn experience is that cults can disappear. Yes. And so nothing that is happening today is guaranteed to continue happening tomorrow. Tesla, I mean, success, phenomenal, incredible. Nobody could have anticipated this. Nobody would have bet in favor of it, except a few silly people. Uh, and, and yet here they are. They're dominating the market in California. They're dominating EV charging. And the, the question is, is Tesla a cult? And is it subject to one day people waking up and saying, oh, I don't want to be part of that cult anymore. I'm not buying any more of these cars. I, I don't know. It, it's... People are fickle. You guys stimulate too many uh, thoughts. So, so I mean, I mean, this has been one of my big questions with it. I mean, you you have definitely like, I mean, it's almost it's unprecedented in the auto industry the kind of following Elon accrued and the kind of influence that has had on sales as well as the stock price, the stock market, and you have you have definitely you have Tesla owners who. I mean, legitimately, Elon could shoot someone and they would find a reason why that was fine. And you have, and you have, I mean, with millions of, of owners, you have a, a variety, a wider variety than ever before. I would say it seems to me like most Tesla owners now are, they don't really follow Elon. I mean, they, you, you have that subset, but you have mo- most of the new buyers are people who were not obsessively following Tesla five years ago. No, and, 100%. And I think that has, pros and cons but also you have 
you have early fans who i mean elon was always controversial but in very limited ways like you know poking eye in the traditional auto industry or you know utility market or something now he's gotten very controversial in a lot of ways that i think uh, i i always wonder what effect that has in the long term on the brand and like you said you, you the the fan base has uh, developed more and more more and more of a kind of reputation for being the exact kind i mean the kind of thing that tesla people used to criticize bmw fans for being or you know or some other you know brands fans for being they've sort of become in a lot of ways what they were fighting against in the early days, I would say. So they I, don't I, strike me as BMW or Porsche fanboys. They strike me as like Rick and Morty people, like yeah, the people who yeah. got like really excited when the Szechuan sauce came back. Like to me, that's the Tesla defenders that are going to be like, "Well, if Elon shot you, that's fine because he's done more for humanity than you <laughs> ever will, so it's not a big deal." Joe, Joe knows the line. Oh my, yeah, no, and but the question is like, what? portion of this tesla market is those people and what portion is people repelled by those people and what portion is just normal people but then i think that the second thing that it comes to is like like when if there are you know issues with with reliability and service for these you know newer buyers like does that become a bigger issue because they're not the early fans and they does that spread as like oh tesla is known for that i mean you think tesla is known for bad reliability i think in the mass market tesla is known for being a cutting edge leading tech you know auto brand and ev brand and i don't think the reliability concerns are that that widespread but if a million people are like complaining about something with their car not working right every time someone asks them about their tesla and i know mass market buyers who talk like who will focus on those things and will complain about service because i mean our our tesla service center they're quick they're responsive they're good but it's like a warehouse environment and you know the bmw service center a few few miles away or a mile away or less is like super luxurious and nice and you want to hang out there watching the big screen tv you know so it's i think it's like you know what is that effect going to be as more people have the car for three years or five years or whatever who are not going to care but if Tesla there's an enthusiast yeah there's an enthusiast question there too right so like i'll be the first to admit i don't know what the mass market understanding of tesla is because i come from you know I, I don't think of myself as a car guy but like as zachary would say i am the most car guy car guy so like I, I know other car guys and we're you know we talk about drag racing and v8s and you know woods brothers racing and stuff like that so like we're we're in that world so what we perceive of tesla is like weird build quality crappy paint you know but really fast in a straight line and i i don't pretend to know what the general public is going to think but i i do know that the general mass market chased renault out of this country chased fiat and alfa romeo out of this country because of the crappy quality and customer service and warranty and i think that those early fans are going to be much more forgiving of a slow power window or a power seat motor that ticks or like a weird wind noise i mean tesla just came out i gotta find the link and i'll put it in the show notes they they just came out with like this is an official list of normal noises that you're going to hear while driving and that just tells me that as they are becoming a mainstream brand, mainstream people are not willing to forgive those little quirks, let's say, that you know the early adopters were. 
Yeah. And I'll, Steve, you have the last word on this. You have had a Tesla Model Y for less than a year. So you've been showing it around to, to normal people, new people. I think you talk to a lot more normal, a lot more people in the real world than than perhaps, uh, well, I don't know about Joe, but then I do. Uh, you seem quite Oh, yeah, social. certainly more people than more normal people than I do. 100%. So I like your last word. I just, I forgot on the design element. I was just going to always I would say that the, the minimalist approach, the design, the minimalist design approach of Tesla, I think does make the design like, you know, sort of timeless and, and very appealing in my opinion. But at the same time, you know, a hundred Teslas at the intersection is going to look like, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Steve, what, what's your final word on what you think, how the mass market will be, will be responding to some of these, I mean, known issues with Teslas. Well, I think of all of the components of the Tesla experience, the service is the one that probably makes me uh, most uncomfortable about the future because it seems as though they're selling just a tremendous number of cars but I don't see them, they, they, I always hear about their, how they're installing more superchargers, but I don't hear a lot about how they're expanding their service network. And so I'm a little concerned that they're falling behind uh, and not going to be able to take care of the needs of their customers who have their cars two, three, four, uh, five years. I think the quarterly reports show that the service is growing even faster or the same as sales, I think. Service capacity. Well, then... But, edit that out. Yeah. <laughs> no. Forget that. Uh, I, I, th I think it's a valid thing, but I mean, only as someone who looks at the details of the quarterly reports notices that, I think so. But yeah. Okay. Well, let's, we've killed Tesla, uh, the Tesla topics. Let's jump to the second episode of, of this week and the second part of the episode, or well, it will be a separate episode, <laughs> actually. That's the Inflation Reduction Act. And basically looking much more broadly than the EV, than the EV stuff. Thank you for listening to Clean Tech Talk. Join us next time to get your electric fix. If you would like to sponsor our podcast, send us an email at accounts at cleantechnica.com. That's A-C-C-O-U-N-T-S at cleantechnica.com. Thanks.